Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast. Andrea Earhart here, muralist, adventurer, and your host as I interview inspiring artists who are killing it in the art game to show you that it's completely possible to make a great living doing the thing you love to do. We highlight the business side of art to help you reach more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creative freedom. (laughs) Enjoy the show. This episode is sponsored by the Mural Master Program inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership. This program is specifically designed to help you with every step of the mural process. From coming up with an idea, to finding a wall to paint it on, to pitching your ideas to businesses, and finally, of course, I teach you exactly how to paint large scale. Murals are a lot of fun and a great way to grow your art business. I know because it has been one of the top ways that I've been able to grow my own art business as quickly as I have. With several years of experience as a muralist, I've dialed down the painting techniques, the proposals, the pitching, the whole bit. And now I've compiled it into one resource for you called the Mural Master Program. This is included inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership, and I would love to invite you to join us by going to artistacademy.co, that is artistacademy.co, and click the link to see the Mural Master Program and learn more. And that's it, so let's get on with the show. This episode features the one, the only, the master of murals himself, (laughs) Mural Joe. That is not his real name, but that's what he goes by, so that's what we're going to call him, Mural Joe. If you have ever searched for any how-to-paint mural tips on YouTube, it is likely that this guy has popped up in your search. Joe has been at the mural game for 15 years, and he's been on YouTube creating videos for you for 10 years. And I just want to state that fact right out of the beginning because, for one, it shows how much experience he has with this art form, which explains how good he is at his job. And number two, I want to remind everyone that becoming a muralist is not something that happens overnight. Joe has been working at this for a long time. And it shows (laughs) he is a celebrity in the art world, and I feel so grateful for him for taking the time out of his very, very busy schedule to come and chat with us and share his knowledge about everything on this subject. We have a friend in common, so we are linked, (laughs) and his name is Rich Marks. He was a past interviewee on the podcast, and I remember talking to Rich after our interview, and he was like, Yeah, when I worked with Mural Joe, it's just so natural for him to just stop and just start explaining what he's doing. He's a natural teacher. They would be working and Joe would just stop and be like, hey, this is how you do this and this is a good trick for that. Like he does it every day. because he does. (laughs) And I know you're going to get so many good tips and inspiration from this episode. So please share it with your friend and pass the knowledge along. Put it on Instagram, put a screenshot on there, tag me or Mural Joe and just say, hey, thanks for coming on and sharing your knowledge to us and on the podcast and on YouTube and just give him a thank you. And I'm sure he would absolutely love it. He's such a nice guy. But let me know what you think about this week's episode with Mural Joe. 
So if you could just start out by telling us a little bit about who you are. I think most of our viewers probably know who you are if they've gotten on YouTube here recently, but just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into the art world. All right, cool. Well, uh, Joe Cornelius is my real name. My first name is not Mural, even though I get called that a lot in emails because uh, Mural Joe caught on uh, pretty well after I started the YouTube channel, Mural Joe. And so I was always an artist, always loved art. And it was it was a, a hard reality check when I did very poorly in school and then found myself working labor jobs, uh, uh, you know, to pay common bills. And then after I got married, had some kids, uh, had my daughter on the way, I was reevaluating what I wanted to do with my life. And I told my wife, hey, you know, I've heard about this mural painting thing. Maybe I could use my paint contracting skills because I was just slinging a brush, painting walls. And it was, we've decided, hey, we don't have a lot to lose right now, so let's try it. So friends and family were the key to my startup. You know, when people just saw me uh, trying to be an artist and I was doing jobs for really cheap, uh, art projects for really cheap. And then I always had the paint contracting to fall back on. So I'd be staining someone's deck, repainting a house to pay bills. But then constantly, I was kind of like just paying my way through college. And so for 10, 15, uh, I'm going to say around 10 years uh, span, I was gradually improving at the murals and gradually raising prices as it became more frequently requested. And that's how, and then in the process, my best friend, Todd, uh, he showed me how to use YouTube, gave me a camera. I mean, he w was a huge part of the startup. So, again, friends and family. I am not by any means self-made. And so uh, I put my first time-lapse video online, posted a how-to video on YouTube, how to paint clouds. You can still, it's like from 2008, 2009, something like that. <laughs> I've got big, messy hair, and I... And I'm doing a, this poor quality video, and there's a dog in the end that tries to bite my hand off. It's it's actually a funny, funny little bit. My first how-to video. And things just gradually climbed, just very gradually and, and steadily climbed in popularity. And that's how Mural Joe became a thing on YouTube. Wow. So you started 10 years ago. Wow. Well, it was more than 10 years ago, but I just said it was a span of 10 years. It was 2005 that I broke out on my own. But, uh, you know, those last years, I've been going real steady as just a muralist where I don't feel like I'm trying to pay my way through my own education anymore. You know, it's not like a cost to do murals now. <laughs> you know? So so those first 10 years were hard. Yeah, but I I love that because a lot of people see you, they, they find you on YouTube like say right now and they're like, man, this guy is doing awesome. But they don't see all those years behind you of, you know, tutorials. And because I, I was looking at your YouTube yesterday and I was like, man, this guy has a ton of followers. This guy has so many videos. I wonder how long he's doing it. And you did your first, your first tutorial 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. A long time ago, but you know, everything is in comparison. I, I always remind myself, you know, there was a lot of people doing amazing paintings before I ever came along. There's a lot of people with far more subscribers. Nothing's really new, you know. I'm I'm borrowing the research that was done before me. So it's important to stay humble. Yeah. 
So let's get into some mural tips. So whenever you're laying out a mural, um, so this is, so July is mural month. And so we're interviewing muralists and we're doing activities and tips around murals and everything. So tell us everything mural. So whenever you go to start out a mural, what's like the first process? Well, I think the plan is the first process. And this is something that I have just for a long time didn't do well because I didn't have to. I, you know, I mm, kind of have a rebellious nature. And so listening to good advice doesn't come naturally. So I spent a long time just winging it. Oh, I can paint right on the wall. I don't need it. I really liked that showing off. It's, you know, it's like showing off for a crowd. But in the end, I would always realize, you know, I changed my mind 10 times and wasted a lot of time. How am I ever going to make a better profit at this if I don't make a better plan? So plan plan first because you can always adjust your plan but you know make decisions on a small scale do a paint be a you know be a painter of small small things well and then scale that up all it is is a bigger brush you know and so you just get you get uh, a plan going and then scale it up so i've practiced so many times on just scrap boards in order to develop a concept for a mural and then i take it to a large wall that's the first step. That's what I think is, is job one, is a good plan. How you execute it, you know, I think there's different ways to execute that, but to be a, be a plan a plan person. I, I think I lost track of your original question and all my jibber-jabber. No, that, that's perfect. Okay, wait, so you draw it out on a board? So you make like a mini mural? You don't like yeah. draw it out like di- digitally or any other way? Well, I've done it all those different ways. I've used digital renderings. And I've even uh, cut out a piece of drop cloth, used it for a canvas so I could roll it up, put it in my suitcase and go out of state to do something, you know, so that it, I can transport it easily. Uh, actually, a cloud ceiling, if you, if, uh, if you look at the clouds that I painted on uh, ceiling in Plano, Texas, you would have, to, I don't remember the name of the video, but if you just searched Plano, Texas on my YouTube channel, you would see it. That one, I took a rendering on a drop cloth that was that was painted actually i think it was the saint peter's catholic church where i first used that method and so everything the the answer to that is as long as there's a plan in place that i can look at because i think what you easily overlook when you're getting into this is the expense of decision making it's not that you don't it's not that you can't get your way through it it's not that you can't make decisions on the spot but it's that it's a significant cost of time i mean how many times do you back up from your canvas and say oh do i like that turn your head sideways do i like it you know <laughs> that's the, that's the artist's workflow you know you can do all that ahead of time and save yourself a lot yeah for sure i totally agree so what makes up your typical work day what so today is pretty early in the morning for you right now yeah um, well, you know, I like to get up as early as, as possible. So five thirty, six o'clock is a normal start time for me. Okay. And so a typical work day is uh, trying to attend to, to whatever email things uh, need to happen. And so, you know, this, this is a good point to bring up. Doing, doing any kind of painting as a business uh, should include a lot of stuff that's not in the field. In the field as in, you know, hands on a paintbrush producing producing your work you know it's for people what you're doing is for people if it's a business right and so think about the you know i have a big percentage of my day that's spent with people whether on emails or or on youtube 
just trying to answer uh, questions, needs, whatever, whatever interest is out there. And so then I'm, I'm in the field. I'm on the job. Today I'll be filming, and my brother is in town from my brother Ben that many of the followers are familiar with because of his involvement. He does all the vid video editing for uh, the channel. And so we're shooting a new series on, on how to paint water right now, and I'm very excited about it. So that's today's work. And, and so, you know, it's uh, spend time with people, spend time on the job, come back in the evening, see if there's any, any emergencies, fires I got to put out. You know, I get on my email, I <laughs> see if there's anything going on. That's a typical day. And then uh, play with the kids, jump on the trampoline. I don't want to leave those things out because those are very important things. You know, I got to come home and leave time for the family. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I I like that that last bit too. It's super important, <laughs> and I'm sure yeah. it, I'm sure it helps with like your mind as well to take a break from it oh. and spend some time with family. So much, so much. Yeah, it's the uh, it's hard to do good artwork if you're not keeping yourself in a good mood, right? I mean, yeah, keep yourself happy as happy as possible. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so whenever you go to put your brush to canvas or brush to the wall, what's your typical what do you do first? Well, uh, so so there's there's definitely a workflow, and but the thing is, since I am such a since I'm I'm such a logical, I approach a painting like you would approach writing a computer program. And the reason I, I make that comparison is because I got curious and started learning some some uh, JavaScript coding because I had some ideas for an app I wanted to work on, and and I found them to be very similar. And so, and so there's not only just one workflow that I follow. I have an end result. I need shapes that look like this, colors that look like this, with a pattern that's like this overall. And so this time I'm going to try these steps to get there. But then another time I tried these steps to get there. And uh, anyone that watches my videos know, knows that I like to just put primary colors on the canvas. So I guess it would be fair to identify an initial creative process as a very simple, fast painting with primary colors. Boom, boom, boom. Red, yellow, blue, green, orange. Get, get the colors on there. Mix them together where I want to see them. And then I have something to look at and adjust. And if it's an important job, it is according to a plan, you know, but I'll, I'll put it out real rough according to what I planned out. And then I'll, then I'll see if I want to adjust it, which I always do. You know, I always have, if I mix first in my primaries, then I'll see where they have uh, turned into my favorite color. I'll say, oh, this spot mixed really well. I really like those colors. It gives me something to look at when I mix with primaries. And then I'll develop my strategic pre-mixed colors based on what I'm looking at on that rough. So there's like, you know, it's like traditionally how you do a rough undercoat and then you, you pile on details on top of that. That's my workflow. And lots of water, you know, always paint, water, paint, water. I got to work real heavy because it's dry. You know, when you're working with house paints, they dry really fast. And so I'm constantly just loading the paint on with lots of water. Awesome. Okay. So is there anything you don't like to paint without? I don't like to, well, I don't like to paint without music, you know, Ooh, and okay. making videos, that's hard because you can't, you can't be listening to music. So, you know, uh, painting is a joy, but there are many times when it really is just work. And so when I'm trying to make a, vi a good video, it's, it's work, it's, it's performance time. 
you know, and because I also love showing off, you know, there's just, <laughs> there's just nothing better in life than an audience, you know, <laughs> that's interested in what you're doing. Uh, my whole family is like that. So that gives me energy, you know, understanding that that video camera is my pathway to the people I want to show off. That gives me energy, but it also means the absence of music, uh, you know, because I can't just play music when I'm doing a good recording. So I don't like that. If I can have my favorite music playing, it helps me so much. And and uh, I also do not like to paint without my favorite tools. It drives me nuts when a brush gets all fish mouthed. You know, that's what we called it on the contracting crew, you know, fish mouth, where you get all the pigment lodged in the bristles. It spreads apart. And I can't get the shapes I'm so used to getting. And so I like to have my very favorite tools just on hand, you know, I have several of them right on hand so it doesn't interrupt my creative flow. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Uh, so actually just random question too. Um, how much time do you spend? So, or how, how much do you mural and then how much are you videoing when you're muraling? So are, do you mural for your job like every day, but then you have other projects that you video or do you just put them into one? It's a pretty, it's a pretty, so uh, let me understand the uh, question that you're asking. Uh, like, what is the percentage of my mural painting time that's going on video? Is, yeah. is it kind of like saying that? Yeah. Um, the, uh, it's a real luxury for me to paint off camera because it doesn't happen that often because it's important as, you know, trying to have a career on, so, on media, social media, YouTube, wherever it is that you're posting content it's important to create, you know, new content. That's the, that's the feed that people are signing up for. And so, so uh, I'm always trying to have new content ready and I don't do a great job at that. You know, I, I, <laughs> sometimes I look at the YouTube channel. I'm like, man, I'm dropping the ball here, but, but uh, it's a real luxury to, to not have the camera painted. And, you know, after all these years of looking at a camera, feeling real comfortable, I still feel more free when it's off, when it's turned off, you know, and I'm just painting on a canvas after thousands of hours in front of a camera. I still feel that. But uh, to answer the question, it's 90%. It's a lot. Most of the time there's a camera pointed at me while I'm painting because it's got, it's got to get recorded. Cause that's, that's what the business is built on now. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, man. That's a lot of music that you don't get to listen to. Okay. Man, I'm telling you, it, it's when I'm doing time lapse that I get to listen to music. That's mm -hmm. that's when it's fun. So, you know, that 90% includes time lapse. So when I'm on a big job and there's time lapse going, then I'll pump up the jams. Yeah. Okay. So another question here is oh, that just randomly came to mind is how do you get comfortable on video? Because a lot of people, they won't even come on a live like this and you are very comfortable, which is really great to interview you because you're just kind of like coming up with the questions on, on the top of your mind. So it's what <laughs> well, you like I said, I love showing up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's but uh, if you watch, okay, so I'm just going to mention another video, the Tuscan, you know, if you just searched Miro Joe Tuscan scene, I was in uh, a, a real client's house. I had to paint a Tuscan-themed mural. And my brother got the whole thing. I hired him to get the whole thing on camera. This was one of my earliest uh, projects that I wanted to be high quality. And you can see a distinct difference in how comfortable I am on camera. And he even had to coach me through that process. 
So the first thing to getting comfortable is just time. It's just putting in time so that you get desensitized. I always feel like people on reality shows have to go through a, a process. Of, they probably spend some time desensitizing uh, uh, people on a show to, to the cameras. So that's one thing. The other thing is I consider the camera my telephone to my friends. And so if you care about, you know, if, if I'm really trying to help uh, every one of you who's watching, then I'm, I'm not just trying to get through the camera. I'm using the camera. It's like, this is my tool. I need to use this because I need to talk to you. I need to tell you something because I want you to have. So caring about your audience. I think being a dad really helped me with this part of life. Before I had kids, I had the hardest time giving a genuine smile, connecting emotionally with, you know, a young teenage boy that's only ever been very self-centered. It's hard to understand the, uh, hard to have the social intelligence of saying, hey, you are perceived in a certain way. You should work on that and try to be pleasant to people. I don't know. I always feel like (laughs) ladies do better at this naturally because they tend to be so much more socially oriented. And and so I realized I needed coaching with that and just caring about the audience really helped me a lot. Okay, that's great. <laughs> uh, so if anybody out there is trying to get better on video, just just try more, <laughs> like just start, yeah. and keep going. If you're thinking about if you're thinking about yourself while you're on video, I think you have a higher likelihood of, of getting flustered. But if you're thinking about uh, if you're thinking about the the viewer and what you want them to have, I think that it's a more helpful mindset. It has been for me. Awesome, sounds great. Okay, so are there any art lessons you've learned the hard way? Whoops. Oh man, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, here's a good one. Your imagination is your best tool and your worst enemy. It will tell you things that are not true because it's so powerful. You know, most people do not have the luxury of people that hire an artist to paint because it's not their thing. They don't have the luxury of seeing that, that finished picture. So I'd go into a house earlier on and I would start talking, oh yeah, you know, well, here's something you could do. You could have... You could have this scene, these hills that kind of have a purple glow, and then you have this orange light coming over, and then over here on the left, you've got this flowers going, and that'll kind of give a feel of, I wonder what's over here where you kind of turn around. This would be, you know, I'm just talking uh, the picture. I'm talking the end part, and they're like, I got to see a picture. You just lost me. You know, I get that reaction a lot. And so then I realized, hey, you know, they they really need to, to see this rendering. And then I also realized that that, that when when I, I when I was trying to paint people, learning to paint people, I was experimenting with trying to do the face of Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, and I was messing up all over the place, getting bad things. But here was the weird phenomenon: is is it's like you know, the longer I looked at a face and really flexed my brain, my imagination was like bending it to see what I wanted to see. So you know you. The same power that causes you to envision your work, you envision the end product. You know, you see this perfect thing. And when your picture gets close to it, that same imagination has the power to bend it to be that final vision. And it's not doing that for everybody else. Everybody else is coming in cold, looking at it face value 
And you can be really hurt when you're seeing something good and they're not. But it's valuable to understand, no, go to sleep, look at it in the morning, and you're going to see something different. Your imagination is working against you at that point. So, you know, understanding and managing that part of me has been super helpful. So I learned it the hard way by just assuming that because it looks good to me, it automatically looks good to everyone. That's false. You have to check. You have to get input, get feedback, and you have to rest your eyes, rest your mind, come back and look. Too many times I lost time and, and, uh, and profit on things because I assumed that I was seeing perfect. I, my eyes are the perfect ones. yeah and if if somebody's not super artistic like you mentioned it's they're not seeing the same things that we're seeing (laughs) their imagination's not filling in those blanks like you know you look you look at a blank wall as an artist and you can see a whole scene yeah you know that it does people people that are you know that just need to see it their mind's not filling in those blanks you know you got to fill it in for them yeah, exactly, which is why we're the ones getting hired, I guess, <laughs> to, exactly. to come up yeah. with an idea. <laughs> yeah, and that helps me to respect those people more, too, instead of just be mad when they don't see what I want them to see. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned in the beginning that your family played a, a big part in your friends uh, in getting you started, but where does your business come from nowadays? Is it mostly YouTube or? It's pretty evenly split, actually, so uh, I think it's. I think it's fair to it's fair to say mostly YouTube because I I think that if we put it on a scale that'd be the heavy the, the biggest contributor just for the traffic. YouTube doesn't pay a lot, you know. Uh so so uh you know it's it's like you get with all my hundreds of thousands the income off YouTube uh, is in hundreds it's not in thousands of dollars. You know, and that is a lot because I don't strategize ads. I I I okay. I'm, I like the concept of my channel too much to let it get overly saturated with ads. You can make all kinds of agreements. There's all kinds of third-party companies that'll put ads, get their traffic. You know, you, there's ways to make extra money. But if you just go the simple track, just click yes, allow ads on my video, monetize them, and do that, then it's, it's pretty low. You know, you, for thousands of views, you might get hundreds of dollars, you know. For hundreds of thousands of views, you might get hundreds of dollars. <laughs> and so that's a valuable thing to, to understand. But the traffic is very valuable. So if I invite that traffic to take a look at the content that I sell, there's, there's a percentage that, is, that, trust, that trusts my product and, want, and wants to buy that. And I stand by it. I like it. I made it because I thought it was really helpful. So people see that in my videos. And so I get uh, uh, income from the people who purchase my content from my website. So downloads is one part. Ad revenues is another. And then contracting, I still get paid to do murals. So I have those three avenues that are all pretty, pretty good contributors to my overall income. And when one goes down, the other tends to go up. And so it's been really nice that way. Awesome. And this is actually a really good time to, so what do you offer on your website with, with your downloads? Yeah. I saw, cause actually right now I'm seeing a lot of sponsored by posts from you, which I love with your new mural program. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. You know, for the first time we actually have a, a team that is, I'm so terrible at marketing and I've been told, you know, the same friends that have helped me get started have said, Joe, you, you need to, 
try advertising some because a lot of people just don't know you know and, and i'm so terrible at advertising i just think if i make something good then people are going to find it that's not true you know there is a, a point where you have to kind of find a stage and announce it you know so i sell my downloads if when people are interested uh when people like the short youtube video uh, they have the option to get the full length content and i noticed that a lot of people they just learn by watching you do something in real time for a while and that can make a more boring youtube video for the broad audience and so I found it to be a good balance. Hey, make the short, the short to the point, more attention grabber style video for YouTube. And then I sell the long form. And so I invite, hey, if you want to see more of this in real time, just more thorough demonstrations, get the full length version, do that. And so I don't try, I don't try to make people feel cut short with the short versions. I don't try to leave a whole bunch of hooks like, oh, for the answer you have to buy. I don't try to do that. I try to actually put the best moments in the YouTube video and then make it just an upgrade. If, if you want to see a lot more of the real time, then please purchase my uh, video bundle because I think you'll find it very helpful. It's going to answer some real hard questions. I'm going to tell you, you know, how things are made rather than just the step-by-step -step on how to paint a picture. So this is one of them. This is one of the ones I sell. And I noticed this the, when I actually told people it existed, so that's my ceiling right there is the clouds and so i i did this like eight days a ton of real-time footage because i was getting so many questions about clouds and so i made the cloud ceiling workshop we did it online and and uh so actually when i did the live thing i there wasn't a whole lot of interaction there wasn't a whole lot people were busy they just signed up for it right away but then it took months after that for people to get the paint project so i realized you know what this is something people need lots of time for it wasn't like a, all right we're all going to do this together and get done fast but uh it's super loaded with lots of real-time advice this is how i blend the colors this is how i adjust the paint this is how i choose the color and then you know an hour of seeing the technique so because you can just skip through it you can just skip through the video if you're if you're feeling it so that's one of the ones that I really like to advertise on for sale on my on my website too. I love that because yeah, you're so right. Like with your edited videos on YouTube or really edited video on any platform, people want to, you have to keep people's attention. You know, people get really yeah. bored. So that's a brilliant marketing strategy of like, okay, you know, you can get the short version, which still helps a lot and brings people in. And then if you want the full version, you know, just purchase it and you get so much more. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I see, uh, I see uh, m.can.art here saying, did you ever finish your Harry Potter? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I finally finished it. I would love to spend more time making it, trying to make it perfect, but I finished it enough for, uh, and the video's up. If you just look for the most recent video on, on my Harry Potter thing, you'd find it. Okay, do you, so are, are portraits uh, a favorite thing for you to paint or? Oh, no. either. they're fun. Portraits are hard, but but uh, I they are a favorite thing to appreciate. A person that can paint a portrait well is very technically skilled. You know that is a hard thing. So I put myself through a lot of training so that I could so that I could do it. So I can do a great job at painting a portrait, but I definitely don't get that high that I get when I'm throwing together a scene that I want to walk into. You know, it's it's not the fast creative process 
it's something of accuracy and carefulness constantly. But I, I appreciate, you know, a good portrait is a beautiful thing. Awesome. Okay. I'm very similar to that. Portraits are super hard. Okay. Yeah, you <laughs> are, man. No doubt about it. Awesome. Okay. So I have your last question on here and I will let you go. Is there any advice that you want to give artists who want to make art their full-time career, but don't know where to start? Like they need a starting place because a lot of our listeners on here are aspiring artists and they haven't quite made it full-time yet. So do you have any advice for those artists? Yeah. Aspiring artists, man, take advantage of your, of your current network. Don't try to jump into into bigger, higher traffic that is not organically developed. You know, it's, it's, uh, I just don't think that that works as well for you. The, the patience of going through what you, what you already have and growing that I think builds a much more reliable foundation, gives you the, the ability to, you don't feel pressure to say yes to things you shouldn't say yes to, you know, like if you jump, into the deep water you're like man i gotta get up where where the big dogs are i gotta be doing the the big jobs the cool stuff well you know the first time so you're doing all this strategy online marketing and then someone says hey we've got a job for you well well they're taking advantage of how small you are and they're they're going to change the job on you halfway through you're not going to have any leverage to say no you're going to be over your head you're going to paint something you don't even like and it's going to be in a public space and it's going to be a bad experience. That's what happens when you try to go bigger than you are too fast. Start with your family and your friends and gradually build out. They want to help you. Uh, you know, all of the money in the world comes from somebody that wants to give it to you. They, you know, you just have to be, you just have to be a pleasant enough person to be the one, you know. Hey, can I be the one that works for your money? Think of it in that way. <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. If they like you, the answer is yes. That's how we. That's how we make work. So, so uh, I think trying to skip over that part is is uh, real detrimental to your business. Use your friends, use your family, and then remember how they helped you, so that you'll be more helpful to others in the future. It'll give you that inspiration, and and uh, so you know that's. I think that is the. Uh, top advice that I had to learn. There's a, an old, I think it's an old proverb that I like, is do not despise small beginnings. Everything starts that way. Don't hate something for being incomplete. Don't, don't think that it doesn't matter just because it's a little start. You know, feed it, water it, grow it. That's the way. That's the way our planet works. I love that. Yeah, because I think a lot of people they jump on Instagram here or YouTube and see you and they're like, man, I want hundreds of thousands of followers and I want the big jobs. And it's like, well, you'll get there. But you're in year one and he's in year 10 or 15, you know? Yeah, yeah. I saw a question here. What does it take to uh, commission to commission uh, me for art? I would say email joe at muraljoe.com and say that you want to commission. You know, you can do that. But I ignore emails that don't talk money right away because it's too it's too much of an expense to check. A lot, a lot of, not to sound arrogant, I really don't want to sound arrogant, but uh, my time is asked for a lot. And so if somebody's look, looking for something free, then there's a lot of that to filter through, you know. So, so a lot of people are not interested in paying. So I'm at a point now where it doesn't make sense for me and my family to spend a lot of time. So 
if I get an email that says, hey, I want to commission you uh, to do a mural from the, getting right to the point, I'm not asking for something for free, then I get to those emails a lot faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and I imagine you get quite a few emails too because it, it is like a, a lot of people want something for free or cheap. They don't realize that you pay or that you need to pay and that you charge. So I, I don't can't... blame them for asking. I just can't get to it, you know. Awesome. So where can they go to uh, purchase some of your downloads? Is it is it just Mural yeah, Joe? Thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. Yes, MuralJoe.com. That's okay. that's the and my site is. Not like most sites where it's set up to be a display. It's not a gallery. It's meant to be a resource for people to find instructions on hard content. So how do you paint clouds? How do you paint water? It's by subject rather than rather than the tutorials that complete this painting. Uh, you know, uh, tutorials that will help you to understand the things that are hard to paint, you know, as lands, landscape mostly oriented things. So, and I put some how to draw videos that I think are great, but you know, people don't come to me for the how to draw videos nearly as much as the, <laughs> as the painting. So yeah, visit the site. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. No problem. Okay. But it's that sad because drawing is like the foundation of learning oh, how to paint. <laughs> you're so right. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I mean, I have a, this giant book. I pulled it out on one of the last live streams, giant book that my mom was, was uh man i'm i'm so thankful that she saved it of childhood drawings all i ever did was draw pictures that was how that was how i trained to understand okay all i have to do is learn how to add color to my understanding of lines and shapes and shadow and light you learn all that by drawing which is a much faster process so you get a lot of training in by drawing exactly uh we had one question on here so since we mentioned the uh you, people have to pay art for your or pay money for your art. How do you price your work? Do you do by an hourly rate or a square footage or? Yeah. Okay. Very good question. Uh, so I will tell people if they email me, I'll say right now my rate is ninety dollars per hour. That's the rate that I will work for. And the more the demand goes up, the more I will just raise that price because if I have things to pick from, then I I didn't work hard on the business in order to get as little as possible i exactly. didn't get possible yeah but you are also choosing what kind of a market you want you know also so if if you're working if you're not trying to do the youtube thing i don't know i feel like i would i would get you know a, a lynch mob if i if i went real low on my prices because i'm stealing people's work that are trying to break into the business and i don't need to do that so so just for the sake of local people i have to keep the price up and then i'll increase it when when uh the demand goes up so i'll i'll just estimate okay i think that job is going to take me three days and hours it's this many hours so that's going to be five thousand dollars whatever it is and uh, i i tend to just price it by the hour but but it's important to always plan on spending more hours just plan on it make it a thing that's always going to happen and just understand that what you tell the customer you're making is more than what you're actually making that's simple because then that prepares you emotionally for it it allows you to do that overage so so i understand you know i say 90 an hour but i understand that when this is all said and done it's going to be less than that because i'm planning on putting in this many hours so if I need to make 90, then I'm going to tell them it's 150, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Just say what you need to say because, because the customer will feel ripped off 
if when that clock hits the hours you estimated it for, if you're out the door, you know, they, they just need that assurance that you care and that when they say, well, what about, will you just add this little thing right here? Because I really feel like you just got to plan on making yourself available for that. At least that's been my experience, you know. So I just make that rate that I tell people higher than what I need to make. That's all. I love it. Okay. That, that, that's such an opposite view too, because a lot of people will try to get, you know, it down to the very last hour. And then if it goes over, you're like, you just, you almost regret it. So I love that, that, st- that take on it because it's always going to go over what you think it's what you think it is always. I have way less stress if I just plan on that. <laughs> <laughs> Great tip. What, awesome. what artist likes to be, you know, what artist doesn't want to use all of the time? So let's say you budget 10 hours. And you're working on something and you really love your piece. Who wants to cut it off at nine hours? You know, no artist wants to do that. You're like, oh, I've got another hour. I'm going to use that hour. And then how likely is it that when the clock hits that 10 hour mark that you're going to be, oh, it's finished. I'm done. It's finished. It's not going to happen. Not if you're a creative person that loves your work. So I found that impractical. So true. So and not if you want to create the best work possible. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. That is all I have. And I have just enjoyed every single minute of this. I've been wanting to meet oh, you for a really so long time. Oh, and I... It's been an honor. It's been an honor. And so nice to meet you. you uh, I don't, I, I hope that you get billions of viewers because you are a pleasure to watch on camera as well. Uh, you thank, you. thank you so oh. much. We usually do interviews a little bit later in the day, so I'm not used to all this sun coming in the whole time. I'm just oh, yeah. trying to get away from the sun. But... Right, it's got a cool artistic vibe. Right. <laughs> and it matches the piece that's behind you. It's good. The butterfly wings really go with those horizontal stripes. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Said like an artist. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much again. I really enjoyed it. And uh, your podcast episode will come out a week from today, and I'll send you an email with all the links. And... Hey, all right. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Okay, thank you. You too. Bye. This episode is sponsored by the Mural Master Program inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership. This program is specifically designed to help you with every step of the mural process. From coming up with an idea, to finding a wall to paint it on, to pitching your ideas to businesses, and finally, of course, I teach you exactly how to paint large scale. Murals are a lot of fun and a great way to grow your art business. I know because it has been one of the top ways that I've been able to grow my own art business as quickly as I have. With several years of experience as a muralist, I've dialed down the painting techniques, the proposals, the pitching, the whole bit. And now I've compiled it into one resource for you called the Mural Master Program. This is included inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership, and I would love to invite you to join us by going to artistacademy.co, that is artistacademy.co, and click the link to see the Mural Master Program and learn more. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you review our podcast and send a screenshot of that review to me on Instagram, I am art by Andrea Earhart. I will gladly share your art on my Instagram story with a reach of over 60,000. 
thousand as a thank you for helping us grow this artist academy community and speaking of community if you would like to be a part of our absolutely free and very encouraging community on social media just head over to facebook.com slash groups slash artist academy and i will see you next week